Hello and welcome to episode 29 of the Ford Fargo's Football Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Bardi, and today we're going to be continuing with the NFC North with our second team, the Detroit Lions. Let's get on into it. Alright, so in case you're new around here, hello. Um, what we're going to be doing is going through each team position by position and just giving a general breakdown of the roster as well as talking about their over-under, um, an optimistic and a pessimistic overview of the entire season and what I believe is each team's biggest strength and weakness. Um, at the end of this whole ordeal, I'm going to be doing a full season prediction as well as an awards prediction and playoff prediction. If you want to stick around and see all that, go hit the subscribe button and hit the like button. Start getting this out to more NFL fans like you. And yeah, let's kick things off with the Detroit Lions. Starting things off, as always, with the quarterbacks. They have Jared Goff, Tim Boyle, and David Blau. So Goff is one of the league's most underrated quarterbacks. The former number one overall pick was unceremoniously shipped out of LA for Matthew Stafford only to watch his old team win a Super Bowl without him. While he may never be a quarterback who you can win because, he has proven that you can win with him, making it to the Super Bowl with the Rams in 2019. People act like the Lions are just trotting out a trash can or something, but they forget that his number one receiver was a fourth round rookie slot. Last year with Detroit, he was much more conservative than in years past but he did have his highest completion percentage and his lowest amount of interceptions since his sophomore season. Now with a new offensive coordinator and two new receiving threats, Goff is in a prime position to shock a lot of people this year by simply being a top 20 quarterback, which is entirely possible. However, I don't think that he is the quarterback of the future, so I'm really curious on how they find that franchise leader next season. Um, Tim Boyle, he makes no sense to me. In college, he threw for 1,200 yards, one touchdown, and 13 interception to go along with negative uh, 122 rushing yards and zero touchdowns. you got to remember in college, they count sacks as rushing yards. Um, however, he is tall, athletic, and has a strong arm, so that got him a practice squad job in Green Bay in 2018. After backing up Aaron Rodgers for a few years, he took the backup job here in Detroit and saw a few games as a starter after Goff went down. He definitely looked better in his last game in the first, but honestly, I have no faith in him winning games for this team if Goff goes down. Blau went undrafted in 2019 and made a few starts as a rookie where he definitely didn't look good, but he looked better than one would expect. Um, he hasn't played much in the past two seasons, but he definitely has a shot at earning that number two job. So for running backs, they have DeAndre Swift, Jamal Williams, Craig Reynolds, Godwin Iguabuike, Jamar Jefferson, and Greg Bell, with Jason Kambinda being the fullback. So Swift was taken at the top of the second round in 2020. So far, he hasn't been able to live up to that billing, but he has shown some flashes. In college, he showed Alvin Kamara-type potential as an elite runner and pass catcher, but so far has only been a good runner and disappointing as a receiving threat. Now, though, the offense around him looks to be much better, which could help take some of the pressure off of him. If he ever wants to hit his potential, this seems like a good year to do so. Williams is a really good complimentary back. He's kind of like a jack-of-all-trades, master-of-one type back with that mastery coming in pass blocking. He's a solid runner who fights for tough yardage and is viable as a receiving back, plus he has some of the best interviews of all time and seems to be a great locker room presence. 
Reynolds went undrafted in 2019 and saw his first starts last year with Swift down with injuries. He had a great two-game stretch where he had 195 yards on the ground to go with 21 more in the air. He isn't the greatest of athletes, but showed some solid ability to break tackles and create some yardage after contact. Iguabuike went undrafted in 2018 as a safety and has bounced around the league a bit, even signing with the XFL. With the Detroit, he converted to running back and had a couple of exciting snaps, including a 42-yard touchdown run. He's got a fight to make the roster still, but he's a great athlete and a fun story to watch unfold. Jefferson was drafted in the 7th round last year and had a handful of carries, resulting in 74 yards and 2 touchdowns. I wouldn't be surprised for him to stick around as at least a practice squad guy. Greg Bell went undrafted this year out of SDSU, so I'm personally hoping that he makes the roster, but he'll have to be at a lot of talent ahead of him. And then Kabinda had a really good year as an undrafted free agent linebacker for the Raiders in 2018, but then was surprisingly cut. The Lions picked him up after that, and even more surprisingly, they converted him to a fullback. He's a really solid athlete and a willing blocker, and now entering year 4 as a fullback, let's see if he can take that next step as a lead blocker. So for wide receivers, they have DJ Chark Jr., Jamison Williams, Amon Ross St. Brown, Quintez Cephas, Josh Reynolds, Khalif Raymond, Trinity Benson, Tom Kennedy, Corey Sutton, Josh Johnson, and Khalil Pimpleton. Chark has had an up-and-down career so far with Jags. At first, the 2018 second-round pick looked like a bust. Then he exploded in 2019 and looked like a steal. In year three, the entire team fell apart around him, and so he obviously looked worse as they tanked for Trevor. Last year, Chark got injured in week four after a slow start to the season. Now Chark will be able to be the number one receiver with the best quarterback he's had so far in his career, not counting the first couple games with Trevor Lawrence. That's a kind of toss-up right now. His elite speed and good route running should help him have a career year and hopefully get him paid after taking a one-year prove-it deal. Jameson Williams is more than just a speed threat. The number 12 overall pick showed some pretty good route running and understanding how to shift gears to create separation instead of just hitting his top speed right away. He's also a very aggressive run blocker despite his size. At the NFL level, he might not win these blocks often, but he definitely showed the effort and I think that's what the Lions like, that kneecap biting mentality. I believe Williams will be this team's number one by the end of the year, even if they extend Chark. He's coming off a torn ACL from the national championship game, so he probably won't be ready by week one, but long term, I think he's going to be a great pick, maybe even the best receiver from this class. St. Brown came onto the scene late last year in a big way, looking like a steal. The rookie slot receiver selected in the fourth round last year did not have a game under 73 yards in the last six weeks, and he put a touchdown up in every game but one during that span. I love the way that Detroit is filling out this receiving room, as you now have St. Brown, who can work the field underneath with TJ Hawkinson, the tight end, and Chark and Williams have that blazing speed to create extra space underneath or take the top off of it in case the defense gets caught lacking. Cephas was taken in the fifth round in 2020 and was the starter last year before he broke his collarbone. He was off to an alright start with 200 yards and two touchdowns through four and a half games, but his role is probably best suited for a number four type. He isn't the greatest athlete by NFL standards, but he plays bigger and more physical than his 6'1", 207 frame, and definitely has the skill set to develop into a good red zone threat. Reynolds was the Rams' number 4 receiver throughout his rookie contract before his splitting time with the Titans and the Lions last year. He already has that good rapport with Goff, and he's good enough to fill in in case of injuries. You could definitely do worse than Reynolds for a number 5. 
Raymond has bounced around the league as a backup, but earned the starting gig last year in Detroit's Thin Room. He didn't do much most games, but he did have a pair of 100-yard games. Benson went undrafted in 2019 and saw his first action last year with the Rams, finishing with about 100 yards. Kennedy went undrafted in 2019, but hasn't really played at all yet, and Sutton, Johnson, and Pimpleton are UDFAs from this class. So for tight ends, they have TJ Hawkinson, Brock Wright, James Mitchell, Shane Zalstra, Garrett Griffin, Devin Funches, Nolan Given, and Derek Desi Jr. Hawkinson has been a good tight end since being drafted 8th overall in 2019. He was averaging his most yards per game last year before going out with injuries in week 13. He's been a pretty reliable target with only one drop last season and a solid blocker, but he has yet to be dominant like how you'd want a top 10 draft pick to be. He is a top 10 tight end in the league right now, but he's clearly in a class behind those top guys. So now entering year four and having a lot more threats around him that the defense will need to worry about, is this the year where we see why he was taken so highly? Wright was a UDFA last year who saw a good amount of snaps, mostly as a blocking tight end. The fact that he saw so many snaps as a UDFA is pretty promising, and if he can keep developing, that's a pretty important role for an offense. Mitchell is a fifth-round rookie out of Virginia Tech, and Salstro went undrafted last year and played a bit, but not really too much. Griffin has been a blocking tight end for New Orleans since 2017 and now rejoins Dan Campbell, who was the Saints tight end coach, um, coming over to Detroit now. Bunchers was taken in the second round in 2015 by the Panthers to play receiver. He was alright there, but after leaving for the Colts, he only saw a handful of snaps in 2019 and hasn't played since. Now the bigger-bodied, slow receiver is trying to transition to tight end, so that'll be a interesting to see what Dan Campbell can do with this project. Given and Desi Jr. are UDFAs from this class. So along their offensive line, they have Taylor Decker, Jonah Jackson, Frank Ragnow, Halapouli Vaati Vaitai, and Pnesul as the starters, with Dan Skipper, Matt Nelson, and Obina Ezi as backup tackles, Logan Stenberg, Zion Obeid, Tommy Kramer and Kevin Jarvis as backup guards, and Evan Brown and Ryan McCollum as backup centers. So Decker has been a great left tackle since being taken in the first round in 2016. I was really surprised to see that he's never made a Pro Bowl, but he plays at that level every year and will only be turning 28 this season. He's one of the league's best pass protectors and is a good run blocker to boot. Skipper went undrafted in 2017 and has bounced around a bit, not seeing significant snaps anywhere. Jackson was taken in third round in 2020 and started right away. He's still got some work to do in pass pro, giving up 35 pressures each year so far, but now entering year three, that's when a lot of offensive linemen really take that next step, so we'll see if he can follow that pattern. Stenberg was drafted in the fourth round in 2020, but has only seen four snaps so far, all as a sixth lineman. And then Obed is a UDFA from this class. Ragnow has gotten better each year since being taken in the first round in 2018. He developed into a top three center in the league and has gotten a huge payday already. He was off to a hot start last year before getting injured, but he'll be back this season and will be a rock in the middle of this line. Brown went undrafted in 2018 and started for the Lions after Ragnow's injury. He played well for them, not being anything dominant, but definitely not a liability, and he still allowed the offense to function. McCollum went undrafted last year and started a game and played most of another, not really having the greatest of rookie seasons. 
The Lions gave Hal Vitae a big contract after looking good in some spot starts at right tackle for the Eagles. He didn't live up to those expectations at tackle, so they kicked him inside where he has looked better. He may not ever live up to that 5-year, $50 million contract, but he provides some serviceable guard play to ensure that there really isn't a weak link in this offensive line, which is almost unheard of. Kramer went undrafted last year and saw a couple starts where he did look better as time went on, but he's firmly slotted as a backup unless there are injuries ahead of him. And then Jarvis is a UDFA from this class. After a concerning preseason at right tackle, Sewell flipped to left tackle to start the season while Decker was out with injuries. The number 7 overall pick from last season then flipped back over to right tackle and looked great there. He was dominant in college before sitting out due to the COVID season. Um, he looks like he's going to be a dominant tackle now in the NFL for years to come. Nelson went undrafted in 2019 and started a lot of games last year due to Decker's injury, but he didn't really play too well. In the 9 games he started at tackle, as he also did play more games but only as like a 6 lineman type, um, he gave up 41 pressures. The Lions better hope that their starters stay healthy this season. And then Ezzy is a UDFA from this class. Along their interior defensive line, they have Michael Brockers, Aline McNeil, Levi Owuzurike, Jayshon Cornell, Bruce Hector, Eric Banks, and Demetrius Taylor. Brockers was a good pass rushing interior lineman for the Rams since being drafted in the first round in 2012. However, last year with Detroit, he played terribly, only having 6 pressures off of 300 pass rush snaps. Hopefully this year he can regain his LA form, as this team needs more juice up the middle. If not, Brockers might be out of the league soon, as he is almost 32 years old and might just be past his prime. McNeil was taken in the third round last year. He played well in a limited role as a big 320 pound nose tackle. In year two, we'll probably see him get more snaps, so we'll get to see if he's going to have any pass rush juice or if he's just going to be this run defense guy. Onwuzurike was drafted in the second round last year, but had a pretty slow rookie season. As I said, this team needs more interior rush, and Onwuzurike looks like he could provide that, at least with his play in college. Now entering year two and playing next to number two overall pick Aiden Hutchinson, let's see if he can start showing some of that pass rush prowess. Cornell was drafted in the 7th round in 2020, but has only seen a few snaps so far. Hector went undrafted in 2018, but hasn't done much so far with a handful of snaps he receives a year. Banks went undrafted in 2020, playing a few snaps for the Chargers last year, but not being a factor there, and Taylor is a UDFA from this class. So for edge defenders, they have Aiden Hutchinson, Romeo Aquara, Charles Harris, Julian Aquara, Josh Pascal, James Houston, John Kaminsky, and Austin Bryant. So many thought that Hutchinson would go number one overall in this last draft. So when the Jags passed on the pass rusher out of Michigan, the Lions pounced on this hometown hero. Hutchinson is an underrated athlete with elite get-off, a powerful bull rush, and enough speed to keep tackles honest. He might not be a top five pass rusher like most of these highly touted edge rushers um, are and eventually develop to be, but he should be an extremely good to great number one rusher for the next 10 years. Also, at least early on, he could kick inside like he did in college a bit to help provide some pass rush and get the best guys on the field all at once. He may not be as successful going against NFL athletes, but it is something that he has done in the past um, before his last year breakout fully at edge. 
Romeo Aquara missed most of last season with injuries, but had 61 pressures and 10 sacks the year before. If he stays healthy, him and Hutchinson have a shot at being one of the best duos in the league. And then they also have Charles Harris, who had a career revival here in Detroit. The 2017 first-round pick was disappointing for Miami, but last year he had 52 pressures and 8 sacks with the Lions. If Hutch had gone number one, I would not have surprised to see the Lions not address the edge room as Aquar and Harris could have been a great duo. So now having those two as your number two and number three could be pretty deadly with that rotation. Julian Aquara, who's Romeo's younger brother, was taken in the third round in 2020. He saw some good snaps in the rotation last year and was productive with them, finishing with 21 pressures to go with five sacks. Pascal was taken in the second round, making this already deep edge group even deeper. At 6'4", 270 with incredible strength, he's another guy who can kick inside often for pass rush downs. I'm excited to see how Aaron Glenn, the defensive coordinator, decides to use these guys as they're six deep with good pass rushers here. Houston was taken in the sixth round this year out of Jackson State. Kaminsky was taken in the fourth round by the Lions in 2019, but didn't work out there and will be an uphill battle to make the roster here. And Bryant was taken in the fourth round for the Lions in 2019 and saw a good amount of snaps last year, leading to five sacks, but only off of 14 pressures. So for linebackers, they have Alex Anzalone, Chris Board, Derek Barnes, Malcolm Rodriguez, Sean Dion Hamilton, Gerard Davis, Anthony Pittman, Josh Woods, and Natrese Patrick. Anzalone was taken in the third round of the 2017 draft by the Saints. After playing out his contract there, he signed with the Lions last year. Anzalone hasn't been incredible throughout his career, but he provides pretty average linebacker play at least. Board went undrafted in 2018 and worked his way into Baltimore's linebacker rotation. Now in a thin, unproven room here in Detroit, he's got a pretty easy path to some playing time to prove that he can be more than just this rotational linebacker. Barnes was taken in the fourth round last year, but saw a pretty significant amount of playing time. Like many rookie linebackers, he struggled. With good speed and strength, he has the physical potential to be a good starting linebacker, but he definitely needs some development, and it would be concerning if he can't get some playing time in this room this year. Rodriguez was taken in the sixth round this draft out of Oklahoma State. Dion Hamilton was taken in the sixth round in 2018 by Washington. He had a decent he was a decent coverage linebacker there in their rotation, but was waived and missed all of last year with injuries. Davis was taken by the Lions in the first round in 2017. After a disappointing four years, he signed with the Jets, where he played even worse. Now back with the Lions, he hopes to revive his career with a not too difficult group of competitors to overcome. Pittman went undrafted in 2019, not playing too much yet and not being a huge factor when he is out there. Woods went undrafted in 2018, also being a backup so far, and Patrick went undrafted in 2019, not seeing snaps since his rookie season. So for cornerbacks, they have Jeff Okuda, Amani Arawarie, Mike Hughes, Will Harris, Jerry Jacobs, AJ Parker, Bobby Price, Mark Gilbert, Chase Lucas, Savion Smith, and Cedric Boswell. Okuda was one of the most hyped-up cornerback prospects in a while. However, he looked pretty bad as a rookie under Matt Patricia. Many were excited to see his sophomore campaign under new defensive coordinator and former DB coach Aaron Glenn. I still believe in Okuda, especially with an improved pass rush in front of him and good coaching. It's on him to prove to the world, though, that he's not a bust this year. 
as the team will decide on the, his fifth year option after the conclusion of the season. Aruwari has carved out a nice career so far as a former fifth round pick. Last year, he was forced to be this team's number one with Akuda out with injuries and performed quite well, finishing with six interceptions and less than 600 yards allowed to go with two touchdowns. If he keeps up this play and Okuda can be close to what he looked like in college, this will be quite the formidable duo. He was disappointed as a former first round pick for Minnesota. After three poor seasons, he was waived and picked up by the Chiefs last year. There, he started many games on the outside and did play better than he had in the past. At 5'10", 190, he could slide into the slot, which I believe would allow the three best corners to be on the field at the same time. Harris was drafted in the third round in 2019 as a safety. However, as last year progressed, he went from safety to slot to outside corner. In the four games he played starting on the outside, the last four games of the season, he did not allow more than 50 yards, so maybe he can be a better corner than a safety and provide some nice depth here. Jacobs went undrafted last year and actually looked really good when thrust into action. He tore his ACL in week 14, so he still may be recovering from that, but when healthy, the Lions should be able to trust him to step up in case of injuries ahead of him. Parker also went undrafted last year and saw a lot of time out of the slot. Like Jacobs, he outperformed the expectations of a UDFA, but he didn't look quite as good as Jacobs. It is still nice though to see such production out the gate, and hopefully he can grow upon that in case his team needs him to see significant snaps. Price went undrafted in 2020 and saw some starts early in the season before being replaced and being a backup for the rest of the year. Gilbert went undrafted in last year and saw a handful of snaps on the outside but nothing significant. Smith went undrafted in 2019 and saw some snaps for the Cowboys in 2020 but that's it so far, and Lucas and Boswell are UDFAs from this class. So for safeties, they have Tracy Walker III, Deshaun Elliott, Kirby Joseph, Ifatu Malafonwu, Brady Breeze, CJ Moore, and Juju Hughes. Walker has been a good safety for Detroit so far. He can play over top or closer to the line of scrimmage well and is good against the run and the pass. Earlier in his career, he looked like he could develop into a great safety, but he has so far yet to turn that corner, now entering year 5. Elliott played well for the Baltimore Ravens after being selected in the 6th round in 2018. He's dealt with some injuries throughout his career, but when he is on the field, he should provide some average to above average play at the safety position. With Glenn's defensive back background, I'm excited to see how he develops these two young safeties as they do have more potential than what they've shown so far. Joseph was drafted in the 3rd round out of Illinois this year and is likely to push Elliott for the job or at least be the 3rd safety as a rookie. Malafonwu was taken in the third round last year as a corner, but saw less playing time than a couple of UDFAs. This year, they seem to be trying him out at safety too. This may just be an experiment for now, but the 6'2", 205 corner with good speed, but not the best change of direction, might be best suited for a safety rather than a slot option, as they have a lot of nice outside corners, so he won't see any playing time there. Breeze was taken in the 6th round by the Titans last year, but didn't make the roster. In Detroit, he appeared in one game, only taking a handful of snaps. Moore was drafted in 2019 and saw some snaps last year, including one start, but with new additions, he might not even make the roster this year. Hughes went undrafted in 2020 and saw a small amount of snaps for the Rams for these past two seasons, but not much. For special teams, they have Riley Patterson and Austin Searbert at kicker, Jack Fox at punter, and Scott Daly as long snapper. 
Patterson went undrafted last year and went 13 for 14 on kicks with the Lions and perfect with extra points. But they do have Searbert, who was the Lions kicker to start last season before he got injured, going 10 for 12 and 5 for 5 on PATs. Fox has been the Lions punter for these past two seasons, making the Pro Bowl in 2020 and should be good for them once again this year. And then Daly went undrafted in 2017, but last year was his first year starting as a long snapper playing for Detroit. Alright, so now this is when I get into my season projection. First, I talk about their floor and ceiling, um, and then talk about like everything that can go wrong, everything that can go right. Uh, I talk about their over and under, whether or not I think you should bet the over and under, and then their biggest strength and their biggest weakness. So, I'm putting the floor of this team at 6-11, and 11, which seems a bit high, but... It is a pretty easy schedule, which I'll get into a bit more later. Some things that can go wrong, though, and hold this team back is, first off, Jared Goff. He might just hold this team back. Um, he hasn't really shown too much ability to do much outside the structure of the offense, and so if things go wrong, he can't make things go right. Swift, maybe he can't take that next step, and the rest of these running backs just are fine. You know, running backs don't really move the needle too much. Uh, Chark, he looks like just like a decent complimentary deep threat, not a number one like he showed the potential of. And Williams just takes a while to come back from his torn ACL with no one else able to step up on the outside. Hawk, he remains good, not great. These guards struggle along the offensive line, and the rest of the line doesn't look as elite as they frankly should look. Um, there's just no interior presence on this line against the run or the pass. Hutchinson, he can't hit the ground running, so this edge group is all good, not great. These linebackers, they look lost out there, especially with no run-stuffing help. And Okuda, he looks like a bust, so this corner group doesn't reach that elite potential that they definitely have. And Walker and Elliott continue to look just fine, nothing really more than that. Optimistically, though, um, man, as I said, this is pretty favorable schedule and things are lining up nicely for this team that just works really hard i can see them going 11 and 6. um this offense could just click with Goff executing it extremely well with his strong arm and plus accuracy swift could look like alvin kamara light out there and williams just being a great compliment to him um jameson williams he could come back fast from his acl tear so this wide receiver room could look great with chark as the number one again and St. Brown being a stud in the slot. Hawk could look like a top 7 or better tight end this year, a great pass catcher and run blocker. This offensive line is elite, with any potential deficiencies at guard completely masked by the elite center and tackle play. This interior defensive line group is just like fine against the run, and they're able to generate some pressure, whether it's with the defensive tackle stepping up or some of the edge rushers kicking inside. And then the six deep group of pass rushers all rotate well, stay fresh, and Hutch shows that potential of being a true number one pass rusher. Um, these linebackers, they're protected by the rest of the defense playing well, so just having mad linebackers is a bit easier to hide. Okuda reminds everyone why he was such a high draft pick, playing exceptionally from um, across the way from Warrior, who looks even better than he has in the past now that he's the number two corner. These safeties are able to play even better now that they have better help at cornerback, allowing them to take a bit more risks without giving up those big plays. Um, talking about their over-under, it's set at 6.5 wins, and restore the roar, baby. I'm taking the over on this. They're, they have a pretty easy schedule, as I alluded to earlier. Um, playing the Bears and Vikings twice due to their 
being division rivals, I can easily see three wins right there, at least two. Um, they play the NFC and the AFC East, so another four to five wins there alone. So already there, that's eight wins. Tack on their last place schedule, granting them the Panthers, Seahawks, and ja Jaguars as the um, outer division plays. Um, that's how I see 11 wins being completely realistic for this team. Like at first you're like, oh, this is an 11 win roster. But when you're playing teams like that, it very might well could be. Um, but I feel like if they don't get seven wins, that's got to be a disappointment. Like, this, this team has just so much potential right now. Um, and they've been heading in the right direction, rebuilding in such a fun way that if they don't hit seven wins, I, I'm, I'm going to be really disappointed in this squad. Um, their biggest strength I'm putting as their offensive line, this offensive line has the potential to be the best in the whole league. Decker and Sewell are each top 15 at their position, at least, uh, with Sewell entering year two and having sky-high potential. Ragnow is a top three center, and an easy argument can be made to call him number one. Jackson is young and developing, but has an easier job surrounded by this eliteness, and Vitae has shown some great flashes, even though most of the time he's just average. I'm really excited to see how this offensive line will let this team do whatever they want. And then their biggest weakness, I put it as their interior defensive line. Um, it's just real squishy. Combined with poor linebackers, this defense might get run all over. And that still is a problem, even though the run game is less effective in the modern NFL. I think they can supplement some pass rush by kicking Hutch, Pascal, or someone else inside in obvious passing downs, but it would definitely help if some of these young guys that they drafted last year in the middle can step up. Alright, so that's going to do it for today's episode. Let me know what you think. Do you think that the Lions could make that playoff push, reach their ceiling of 11 wins, or are they just going to be the Lions and disappoint again? Um, if you're on YouTube, hit the like button, comment below what you think, and subscribe to stick around for the rest of this series. If you're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you might be listening to this, subscribe, follow along, leave a five-star review, help push this out to some other people. And yeah, I'll see you guys all Friday.